Do you have a desire to help others? Are you unsure of how to do that in a godly way? Well, join the Care Pastors as we take a trip over the next five weeks dealing with figuring out the difference between codependency and compassion. This series is entitled, What's Your Motivation, Compassion or Codependence? Well, hey, everybody. We are back again here at the uh, Care Ministries podcast. I'm here with Doug Wildman. Howdy. Howdy. I'm here with Josh Masters. You moved to South Carolina, not Texas. I'm yes. sorry. Just... Yes. Hey, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Oh, hey, y'all. That's that's fantastic. We have Alex instead of at Josh today. He's at the helm. Alex is He at gave the helm. you a nod, everyone, if you could hear that. So we're excited as we start uh, week two of this new series called What's Your Motivation? And we're trying to determine if it is compassion or if it's codependency. And so um, last week we did an introduction. And uh, what we're going to do this week is uh, it's kind of going to be the beginning of uh, kind of a two-parter here. We're going to start this week and then uh, finish next week. And and really it's looking at the motivations uh, behind uh, codependency. And I would say there are probably an infinite number Hmm. we're just happening to pick nine. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to look at the first four today, and uh, next week we will um, conclude with the the five after that. So I'm going to start us with uh, one that I personally uh, struggle with, and that is the need to succeed. And um, that sounds good, you know. Uh, succeeding, being successful. I think everyone would say, of course I want to be successful. Um, but the problem is is that it becomes uh, consuming sometimes to where my personal success or the success of others is what my goal becomes, what my focus becomes. Mm-hmm. And you notice that God is not involved in that. I just said me, mine, and those around me. Um, you know, and as a, as a child... You know, I was fortunate enough to have older uh, siblings who would help me academically. Like, I knew how to read and write and um, do math before I went to kindergarten. And so I got a lot of pats on the head when I did well academically. And so as I look back, I can see that it was close to being trying to be perfect, but it was just more like I want the good evaluation Mm-hmm. And there were times when I would, um, kind of like a dog going after a bone, you know. Yeah. I would go for the for the pat on the head, right. and I didn't really like. I wasn't learning anything, other than I was learning that if I do well, people are going to tell me congratulations, and that is kind of what would fill my tank. Now, conversely, what would happen is is if I was successful and someone didn't recognize it, then my feelings got hurt. Mm-hmm. And so then I would get angry at people and, and relationships would not uh, not be healthy because then what was happening is, is those people had to tell me good job for everything. And then uh, I had several friendships that ended in high school and college because they were like, you're like a vampire. Hmm. You're like, you're like, try, you're, it's like you're saying and doing things just so I'll tell you good job. And I was thinking, you know, for I knew Christ, I'm thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Right. Like, aren't you grateful? And the person would be like, well, yeah, but I, it's like you're fishing for it. Like you did it just to get mm. the, the feedback. 
you know, instead of doing it because it was the right thing to do or because you had the other person's best interest at heart, you know. And I see that sometimes with parents who this need to succeed, they, they put this burden on their children to be so successful. And when they're not, it's like you let the family down. Mm. And in reality, that's probably the parent issue is that the parent is like you embarrass the family because you didn't do well. Exactly. Yep. And then what happens is is that the the kid is living under this you know this weight of having to be successful in everything that they do. And what happens is is it creates a really unhealthy relationship because now what's happening is the kid is being filled with anxiety and the kid is maybe being filled with depression. And they break down because they're like, if I don't, if I'm not perfect, if I don't have the best grade, if I don't succeed at this, then mom and dad are going to be upset. And so one thing to look at, if you're listening to this and you're going, well, that, you know, that could possibly be me. Just ask yourself, counseling question, how do you feel when you do something and someone doesn't recognize it? Mm Mm-hmm. Because if it really bothers you, you may have this need to succeed in you mm-hmm. or to be by praised by other people. What we want to learn how to do, if that's in you, because again, God can take anything and make it work, is your goal gets shifted from me being successful to the kingdom of God being successful. Mm-hmm. So what you do is even if you're doing the same kind of things you did before, you're giving God the glory. You're giving God the credit. You're deferring to God. Look what God did. Look at how awesome God did with, and you got to be a part of it. You know, what's ironic about that is you are being successful, mm-hmm. but you're being successful underneath the kingdom. And I think one time we were talking about su- submission in one of our previous podcasts, and Josh, you know, you broke down the word, I think, and said submission, under the mission. Yeah. So us submitting to God is part of helping us in all of these codependence traits that we may have is, is that we need to submit that underneath God. Right. And how are you measuring success? Right. Are you using the world's ruler yes. of success? Yeah. Or are you using God's ruler of success? Yep. Yeah. And that will always be, you know, involving the fruit of the Spirit and people having an eternal home with Him. Mm-hmm. So the tricky part with all of these uh, these hidden motivations is that on the surface they actually look godly. Yes, yes. And so they it's can. really, yeah. So it, it's good for us to have a heart that's open to God and to ask Him, you know, God, what do you want me to know? Yeah, about like, all of this. Stuff? Show me myself, you know. And and another thing too, before I um, hand it off to, um, did I hand it off to Josh? Yeah, before I hand it off to Josh is. It's going to feel pretty normal. Like to me, being successful or the need to be successful and that being a driving force was pretty normal. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was carnal. It wasn't spiritual. And so even as you're hearing this, you may feel that desire to kind of defend yourself or defend right. it or rationalize it. Whereas, like what you're saying, Doug, is, is, hey, can we lay ourselves before the Lord and say, hey, show me me, mm-hmm. you know, and help me take something that could be destructive and give it to God and let God take it and use it for his glory. And so, Josh, you're going right. to talk about the need to be special. 
Is there any reason why you're talking about that one? <laughs> the need to be special because yeah. you assigned it to me. Oh, okay. Um, All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I identify with this, um, with this personality flaw, this character flaw. Mm-hmm. I like the books better that call it the romantic rather yes. than the yeah. need to be special because <laughs> I kind of like the idea of sounding yeah. like, oh, he's a romantic. Well, that sounds special, so there you go. To, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> so another uh, motivation uh, that codependency takes root in is this need to be special. Mm. Um, and just like the need to succeed – you're going to see some of the same behaviors. And just like Doug was saying, you can hide behind these motivations and they can look like you're doing godly things. And the behaviors can be the same. You know, so like we were talking about in your office the other day, Gene, um, someone can put a bunch of degrees on their wall because they want people to know that they're successful. Right. Someone can also put a bunch of degrees on their wall because, look, I'm special. Mm. I have... I have this and I have this and I've achieved this. So it's more about your inner motivation than it is about the actual actions because a lot of the actions could be attributed to any of these motivations behind the codependency. So I think this is true of all of them, but maybe the most with the need to be special is that it's an identity flaw mm-hmm. where you need your identity to be recognized, right? And so there's probably a reason that I started doing theater and First grade, mm-hmm. you know. Wow, and, first, yeah, first, first grade, first grade, huh. first grade. Uh, and there's a reason that I ran away from God and ran to New York to, mm-hmm. you know, try to be the starving artist and took to great joy in saying I'm a starving artist. How crazy is that? Uh. That you would identify anything with the word starving as being what you want <laughs> to be, but it made you special because mm. not everyone was willing to do that, right? right? And so this need to be special, to be recognized for who you are, is an identity issue. Where those of us who struggle with the need to be special should be looking is to find our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, the trap of the I need to be special character flaw is that not only do you need to be special, but you need to be a little bit more special than everyone else. Mm. That's Mm. where it really becomes ungodly. Because in truth, we are special. We are called by God. We are selected Mm -hmm. by God. We're chosen by God. You don't get much more special than that. But I will sometimes lean toward wanting to be special outside of that identity Mm. and find my own identity. So this idea that you're a little bit more special, it's okay if you're special, Gene, I just want to be a little bit more special. Mm. So where we want to get to is a place where we not only find our identity in Christ, but that we see everyone else's value mm-hmm. through Christ mm-hmm. and that we're not threatened by how special someone else is. So this plays into the codependency thing where, again, I might be doing acts of kindness or what looks like kindness, mm. things that look compassionate, because I, deep inside, gosh, I don't like saying this, <laughs> want to be up on a special pedestal. Mm-hmm. And nobody else has a pedestal quite like that, where we really want to get to a place where we see that everyone is special because they're made in God's image. And we're walking mm-hmm. and acting out of a place of compassion rather than our own romanticism. So you're saying that someone who might struggle with this, what it might look like on the surface is, wow, 
Josh is really kind. He's really compassionate. He's really uh, helping me here. He's going beyond and above to help me. And so on the surface, it looks like you're helping them. But underneath, the motivation is really what? Well, the motivation can be, and it's not always. Right. I mean, luckily, I've had s some healing in this. And anyone who's gone through this or has this character flaw hopefully has had some healing. But there are times when the motivation can be when you're not in a healthy place or connected to God. Not that I just want you to know that I've encouraged you, but that I am the best encourager. I'm the most special encourager. That I'm the best pastor, the best counselor. Mm. No one else could have helped you as much as Josh could because he is special. Mm. And again, I don't live there all the time, but right. there's glimpses of it. And so if we take that same scenario and you're helping somebody, how does it go poorly for you? Like, how does your codependency get triggered in a situation like that? Like, say you're helping somebody and your desire is to be seen as the best in whatever you're doing. How does it, how does it go awry? How does it go bad? Well, it's when I stop focusing on the Holy Spirit, when I mm -hmm. stop listening to the Holy Spirit and relying on the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. right? So if our goal in this character flaw, in this motivation of codependency, is to get to a place where our identity is in Christ— and we see everybody else's identity as being made in the image of God, then where it goes awry is when I stop doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, when I get tired or weak or am under attack and I start drifting back to creating my own identity. Mm. So that's but not what would easily... That, what would that look like to the person? Because what I want to kind of paint a picture for people is what would it look like to somebody who maybe is on the receiving end. Because as long as, what I'm hearing you say, as long as you feel special as you're helping me, you're good. But how do you... But but no, that's I don't think that that's exactly okay. right. Because now I've received enough healing so that when I start doing that, I don't feel good. Well, not you, mm. but I mean the, the, the person that is codependent with this. Yes. Because what I want the person who... What I want to help someone do is if you're on the receiving end of someone who has that issue... What's it going to look like when it goes bad? I'm like, not sure you can tell. Are you going to get mad at me? Are you going to stop helping me? Are you going to push me off to the side? Are you going to blame me for what happened? Yeah, I think someone who is really unhealthy in mm -hmm. this character trait will do any of those things. Mm -hmm. They'll walk away. They'll when walk they, away. Okay. When they stop getting what they need out of it, they will walk away. See, I think that's probably the the takeaway for somebody who's listening to this is that right. if you're like, wait a minute, I was in relationship with someone and all of a sudden they just walked away, to be able to look at all the pieces to go, wow, this may have been their motivation was as long as as they were helping me, they felt special, then they kept helping me. But once they didn't, then they, then walked, they walked away. away. But see, here's the trick is that you can only ever evaluate yourself. True. You can't really evaluate someone else right. because let's let's take the situation that you're just talking about. You right. are the receiver and mm -hmm. the person disappears. You could make the assumption, oh, well, they just wanted to be special and when they didn't get there anymore, they left. Mm -hmm. Or was it that I wasn't being healthy and they set a healthy boundary and yeah, I didn't like it? That's true too. Right? Mm -hmm. So you can't really evaluate, I don't mm -hmm. think, where someone else is coming from. You right. can only evaluate your Yourself. own stuff and, and ask what is your motive? That's the point of this mm -hmm. podcast, right? So I can't look at you and say, oh, he's not helping me the way I need because he needs to succeed. 
I have to look at me and say, am I perceiving this in a way because I feel like I need to be special, right? I have to evaluate myself, not you. Yeah, good point. Right, because you could be just setting very healthy boundaries. Yeah, I think you make good points because I think as as we all look at, at some of these motivations, um, we may see things differently when we look back at them. And like you just said, you may walk away from it because and, – and, someone who's codependent with this trait because somewhere along the line that person set a healthy boundary or you know almost like a vampire you know you got what you needed out of that person and now well I really don't need you because I got my specialness from what I did for you now I'm going to move on to somebody else or my Mm -hmm. success or my you know yeah Whatever it happens to be. Right, whatever it happens to be. So here's a... So that's enough about me. Doug, what's your problem? <laughs> before, <laughs> before I It's like not so fast, my question, friend. Um, you don't have to go into any great detail, but do you guys recognize from your past history where some of these motivations came from? Just more of a curiosity. Yeah, I think so mm-hmm. now. I think... I, th- I wouldn't have been able to probably five or 10 years ago, been right. able to tell you, but um, through the healing I've gotten through Celebrate Recovery, it, it's really through God, but mm-hmm. he used Celebrate Recovery a as a tool. Yep. Yep. And some of our prayer sessions that we've had, mm-hmm. God has revealed some of, yeah. you know, why Why do I have that need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mine, I, th- I spoke a little bit about it before, I think it was just so reinforced before I knew the Lord yeah. that that was... In a way, it was kind of like being special, you know. Um, but that su- that success was romantic. going to be a oh, yeah, sorry, a romantic. Yeah. That success <laughs> was going to be your key, right? And when you're not successful, that was the thing I had to learn was that, like what Josh said, that you know, using God's word and His mm-hmm. standard of what success was. Um, I would really get down on myself if I wasn't perfect, right? Or if I didn't set the 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 um, if I didn't reach the bar. Mm-hmm. Instead of that was probably when I. This is going to sound like I'm bragging about success, but when I was working on my PhD was when I learned that lesson because my professor said, "You're gonna have to. This is a journey, and you're gonna have to. There's going to be a hundred marks." Instead of looking at the end, which mm-hmm. was thinking the destination of the actual degree was going to be what made me feel better, yep. she told me, and I didn't do it, but she said, you need to celebrate as you go. Mm. Right. And I didn't because my idea was success is that success is that you're finished. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When I finished and I celebrated, it wasn't, I didn't have a great time. I was just like, more like, oh, well, that's over. I'm glad I'm done. Right. And so that was kind of the beginning of my healing, I think, was when I realized, okay, I got to the top of the mountain, now what? You know, and it was it was kind of, it was somewhat empty. Now, I'm glad I did it. I still think there's been a lot of blessing that has come from it, but it was, I did not, I wasn't submitting it to God. Right. So you've dodged your issues long enough, Doug. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you're on to me which, now. What's oh, your character That's flaw? twice he's come after yeah. him. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my... He's like Columbo. <laughs> One more question. <laughs> <laughs> um, my area of codependency or, you know, um, hidden motivation 
uh, is to be a peacekeeper. Mm. And um, just like you guys, my history kind of taught me to try to manage other people. Mm. And so um, one of the tricks that I learned was to become nothing um, and, uh, and put all of the focus on the people around me. And I have this ability, I've learned through lots and lots of experience to be able to tune into each person in the room. Mm. Mm. Um, so I disappear, mm. I pull back, and I tune in to what everybody in the room is doing and how they're thinking. And it's with the motivation of trying to keep the peace. So I'm kind of a mediator. Um, and that sounds good on one level, um, and it can look good on one level, but the reality is that it's because I'm, I'm uncomfortable a lot of the time with there not being peace mm. in the room. And so um, the, I, I believe, um, and I'm, I'm like you, Josh, I'm growing in, in this area, we need to um, allow Jesus to be the peace in that room. Yeah. Um, we need to be comfortable even with confrontation. Jesus was not afraid of confrontation. No. Um, I was thinking about the rich young ruler. We were talking about this story mm-hmm. the other day. Um, Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 21, it says, Jesus felt genuine love for him, is what it says. Mm. And then it goes on, it says, now go and sell all that you have and give the proceeds to the poor and follow me. Mm-hmm. So he said the hard thing, but it was prefaced with Jesus felt genuine love mm-hmm. for him. Someone who has this kind of peacekeeping kind of motive, I think they might try to sort of gloss over things a little bit in an effort to, you know, just kind of keep things calm and, and peaceful. I've had people my whole life say, oh, I, I like to come around you because it just feels so peaceful. Mm. Um, but sometimes I wonder if what they're sensing is not actually the spirit, but it's actually my secret motivation, which mm-hmm. is to kind of keep the peace with people. Mm. Um, it's not always a conscious thing. Um, but it's something that God has been showing me. He's been revealing to me as time goes on. Um, the other one that kind of stands out in my mind is John 3, 3, where um, Nicodemus, you know, comes under the cover of darkness. And he uh, here's a, a man who's been raised with this um, idea that their, um, their heritage, their, um, their pedigree is what really gives them spiritual clout. And Jesus tells him, no, you got it all wrong. You need to be born again. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to just throw out all of that. And I, it, it's not that Jesus was, not, was saying that it wasn't important, you know, what their background is and who their family is and whatnot. But he was willing to just cut right to the chase and say, you're putting all of your eggs in the basket of your, your birth and I'm telling you, you need to be born again, not just of water, not just like a, a, a physical birth. You need to have a spiritual birth. And so he was willing to have that difficult conversation out of his love. Hmm. People with my secret motivation, this peacekeeping thing, they, they will try to find the way to um, kind of soften everything. 
um, and and sometimes just not not just cut to the to the chase. And the the truth is, when we speak the truth, we speak it in love, and it's a loving thing to actually tell the truth and to just be straightforward, even if it causes conflict. Even if yes, and that's the key. Even if it causes conflict. Yeah. Yeah. So can, so can I ask you a question? Yeah. So a lot of times when we talk about these secret motivations, we say we do it, we develop these traits because we get something out of it. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time identifying with what you're talking about because yeah. it's almost the opposite of the special problem, right? That's exactly. Whereas like I I, when you said, well, I have a tendency to become nothing, that's yes. the exact opposite. Like the person who wants to be special is like, yeah. I want to be everything in the room. Yes. yes. So it's hard for me to imagine, like, what do you get out of becoming nothing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've given a lot of thought to that. Um, it's weird. I was just talking to a, a guy today about how I tricked myself into thinking that it was a virtue. Oh, I tricked myself into thinking that it was a virtue to um, to become nothing. I I told myself that it was humility. Um, in reality, it was the running running away from conflict. Um, I came from a background of intense conflict. Mm. And so my um, secret motivation became whatever it takes, do whatever it takes in order for there to be peace in that room. And um, I'll be honest with you, I became pretty good at it. Mm. I became pretty good at it. Um, Mm. Being able to um, speak in a calm sort of way, um, being able to identify with each person in the room and say – it sounds like you're feeling this way. And they'll be like, yes. Mm-hmm. And on the inside, without even knowing it, I'm kind of going, okay, whew. you know, I'm, okay, we've, we've brought things to a peaceful place. Um, so in order, to, in order to do that, I tune in to what everybody else is doing. So when I walk into a room, I'm not even conscious of having a self. I'm I'm focused completely on what is going on in other people, hmm. um, so tuned in that I'm not even sometimes aware of what's going on in me, um, which is kind of a maybe a strange thing for some people to hear, but I I taught myself to think that that was humility, and it's not. It's running away from conflict. So, what's the difference to someone who may be listening? The scripture, be at peace. Mm-hmm. With everyone, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Yeah. How is because that's in the Bible, yeah, right? and that's a directive. Yeah. How is that different than what you're describing? That what you do? Ooh, good question. And by the way, this was not rehearsed, so he he does not yeah, have we're putting time. him on the spot. Yeah, he didn't have yeah. time to See, prepare this, for this. So just uh, don't ever do a podcast with counselors. Okay, that's all <laughs> I have to tell you. <laughs> just learn from my okay. Um, <clears throat> be at peace with one another. Um, that that's a really good question, Gene. Um, mm-hmm. I think we have to ask ourselves what peace really is. Um, mm-hmm. If if peace is the absence of conflict, um, then I think that I think that people can um, use techniques to bring about an atmosphere where there is a there's a lack of conflict. Mm. Um, I think with me being at peace with every person, it would be tuning into my own heart, 
Mm-hmm. And um, that as far as it depends on me being at peace with other people, um, it would be truly being able to connect with what's going on on the inside um, mm. and then allowing that uh, – allowing myself to kind of process what's going on on the inside first. The reason I say all of this is because if you were to ask me in my in the past, mm-hmm. um, hey, are you at peace with people? I would say, well, yeah, of course I am because I don't f- – I, I would never feel any kind of internal negativity. Mm-hmm. No anger. It took me a long time to ever feel anger. Hmm. Um, so I would have told you, well, I am at peace with everybody. Um, but what that actually was was kind of a, um, a, a discomfort with being unsettled. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so for me, being at peace with people was really learning how to tune in to my own hmm. internal – Voice, if that made makes any sense. Yeah. So being a, so being an unhealthy peacekeeper, Mm -hmm. it becomes more about the calm than actual resolution. That is a very good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, Because at Celebrate Recovery, we talk a lot about the difference between being a peacekeeper and being a peacemaker. Yes. And being a peacemaker in a godly way is about walking through conflict Mm -hmm. as far as you're able you walk through the conflict relying on the identity of christ to resolve the situation and bring restoration as far as you're able you can't control the other person Mm -hmm. yes but but we're talking about an idea where it's like well we don't really want rest resolution we don't really want to resolve it we we want it to be quiet I think that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would have known that that was mm-hmm. what was happening. Um, but as I've tuned in, I've learned to tune into the voice of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what was the primary thing was um, that there would be calm, that everything would be steady and calm. And um, so, yeah, as far as a final resolution, that was secondary mm-hmm. to just the atmosphere in that room being calm. Um, and like like you guys, we all learn to be this way yeah. through yeah. our experience. Yeah. And it looks really good on the sure. outside. Yeah, um, and it's funny because, again, Jesus says, that, like, I, I leave you a peace, not that the world can give you, but that only I can give good. you. Yeah, but he also says, in this world you will have trials and tribulations. Right. Yes. So yes. you can't avoid the conflict, but right. you can have peace in the conflict. Yes. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably, again, like what you're saying, Doug, is is there are probably people listening to this podcast who are saying, man, that's me. Like I – things never get resolved, but I feel okay. Mm-hmm. But in reality, are we, are we speaking the truth in love? And are we, you know, journeying with other people? Yeah. Or are we just pacifying so that there's a, there's a calm, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. You know, yep. Just like the special, you know, I'm special because I'm doing something for someone. That's counterfeit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm successful because I've achieved these things that have nothing to do with the kingdom. It's it's counterfeit. It's gonna it's gonna crumble. You know, yep. what am I building my foundation on? You know, um, the the last one that we're touching on today is this this need for perfection, which again. Uh, you know, is is similar to being special. It's similar to being successful. Um, 
you know, I, I see this. In fact, I had a conversation um, yesterday with somebody who was struggling with praying. Hmm. And they said, they said they struggled. And I said, well, you know, tell me why. And they're like, well, and basically the gist of the conversation was I'm not doing it right. And I'm like, you're not doing what right? I'm not praying right. Well, what does that look like? Well, I don't know, but I'm not doing it. And so this person continued to talk to me, and everything was about being perfect. And I thought, that is an impossible standard. Because if you make one mistake, then you're not perfect anymore. You know? And again... That's an all or nothing. That's, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to make mistakes... We're going to, we got to learn. Because if you're supposed to be perfect from the beginning, you know, and some people misuse the, well, be perfect like your father is perfect or like God is perfect. And what they miss is that it's a process, you know, that yes, on one level we are perfect because we're saved, but you're also going through a process where you're learning, where you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you're being transformed in the likeness of Christ that God said he's faithful to finish what he started. And so just like we've all discussed, you know, like where did the ones that we relate to the most come from, this idea of perfection, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the, the fellow pastor, we were talking one time, and, you know, this is, this is kind of uh, an extreme case, but... He came home with a 99 on a test. And his mom's like, why'd you miss that? Ooh. I mean, I was like, really? I said, no, come on, you got a 95. He was like, no, I had a 99. And she looked at the one I missed and said, why did you miss that? And then he would tell me about how he got hundreds. And he would show her and nothing. Wow. Like, of course, that's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. That's what so you're that almost comes do. out of... You know, we were talking about the need to be successful. That's almost a belief that it's impossible to be successful. Yeah. And so this rigidity starts to exist in your life where yeah. sometimes people won't do anything unless they are they know they're going to be perfect at it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times what happens is, is this gets transferred onto spouses, onto kids, onto coworkers. And there's almost like a judgment that comes on them because they're judging themselves in the same way. Right. And so again, like Josh said, what's the who's deciding what success is? Who's deciding what special is? Who's deciding what peace is? Well, who's deciding what perfection is? Mm-hmm. You know. So what we do is, is is the motivation shifts from being personally perfect or expecting everyone around you to be perfect to reflecting and depending on Christ's perfection. You know, because there's a grace that's involved in that. Right. You know, in grace and and this this worldly or this carnal expectation of being perfect butts up against grace. Cuz you know, I've been around people who who have this and it's like where's the grace? Like you don't want to be around somebody who has this codependency of perfection because you feel again just like the success, you feel the weight of you you better do this perfectly. And if not, then there's usually a punishment or a consequence or there's a, you know, the relationship gets severed. You know, I've seen this in, in um, you know, marriages and people dating. You know, there's this sense by one of them, it's like, I, gosh, if I do anything wrong, she jumps on me or he gets on me. And it's almost like 
the people learn to try to be perfect in order to be accepted or loved. Mm-hmm. Yes. And usually when that person starts to reflect on it themselves, that's where it came from. That's how they that's how they either got love or avoided punishment. Like you were talking about avoiding conflict. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are like, well, if I'm perfect, my room is clean, I get good grades, good behavior, do my chores, then dad won't hit me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, my, and mom will love me and brag about me in front of others. And so, guess what? I got to be perfect in order to be accepted. Yeah, just That's gets right. imprinted. Yeah. Yes, it gets imprinted. Yeah. And the trouble with all of these is that it's never enough. You yep. can never get to that place. No matter how perfect you are, yeah. I need to be more perfect. No matter how successful, how often do we see this in business, right? No, yeah. how, how much is enough? A little bit more. Yep. A little mm-hmm. bit more, a little bit more. And that's how people get lost in their work. They lose their identity to their work because I can be the CEO, but now I should be the CEO of a bigger company, right? Right. There, there's never enough. I, I want to be special. Okay, I won an Academy Award, but I don't have a Tony, so I'm not special. Right. Right. A, a perfect example, I don't mean to call her out, but it's unlikely she's listening to this podcast, but <laughs> Sally Field is a perfect example. Mm. When she won her mm. first Oscar, what was her Oscar speech doesn't do you guys remember no she got up and she said you like me you really like me oh yeah yeah and that's a famous saying right so it was this validation but that's not enough what's Uh, next uh. and have i kept enough peace am i am i have i extracted myself enough Mm -hmm. you know so we can never reach that ultimate pinnacle until we recognize our identity in christ and realize that he's enough right that mm-hmm. his perfection covers our imperfection that his success on the cross is greater than any success we'll ever meet mm-hmm. that his specialness as the divinity the god right. is where we get our specialness that he is the peacemaker right. that he brings the ultimate peace right. until we can come to that we're going to keep chasing something that we can't catch yeah and again if if just the ones we've talked about today, if all of those could be done without God, then why do we need to be saved? Mm-hmm. If, I can, if I can learn how to be special and be successful and keep the peace and be perfect without Christ, then why do I even need to have a relationship with him? Mm-hmm. That's right. You know? yep. And the thing about perfection, and I'll kind of land this, is that a lot of people who have this this need for perfection are driven, and they get results. Mm. And so it looks, again, like we talked yes. about before, it looks good on the outside. But how many of these same people end up committing suicide, having failed marriages, going bankrupt, you know, ending up in the gutter, so to speak, because you couldn't, you can't keep that going, because nothing is really filling you. You know what I mean? Like, it's make one mistake and the whole tower crumbles. And that is the gospel message. Mm-hmm. If you make one mistake, you are ineligible. Right. You you are not perfect. Mm-hmm. And that is why we need Christ. Yep. And you could, I can see where people who have a, this perfection mindset have a hard time with the gospel. Because you have to humble yourself. You have to come to the understanding and the belief as the Holy Spirit 
convicts you and convinces you that you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, that you need Christ's perfection. Because mm. you're right, Paul says, if you, if you have not kept one of the laws, you haven't kept any of them. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. So... <laughs> As you're listening to this, no, nobody puts that one in their kitchen. No, <laughs> like on a plaque. Yeah, yeah. It's always about my plans for you, kind of right. thing. Right. Yes. Um, so as you're listening to this, <laughs> I, we do want to encourage you that if you're going, okay, I'm all for these, or this is me, or I've got this in my life. You know, we always give you resources at the end about how to get in touch with us. Um, we promise that as we continue in this series, it will get better. You will hear some good things. You will hear more uplifting things. But hear this, that no matter where you are today, Christ is enough. Yes. And even if you see yourself in all of these, you can go on the same journey that anybody throughout the ages has ever gone with Christ, and these things can be redeemed. And that's, that's really our prayer for everyone listening today is that, God, would you redeem? Mm-hmm. Would you redeem these things in us and in others who are listening? And as we continue next week, to redeem those as well so that we can glorify you. And it's in your name that we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you'd like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355. You can also learn more about Care Ministries by visiting www.brookwoodchurch.org care. And make sure to check out all of our upcoming events and support groups on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash brookwoodcare. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless you.